Hello and welcome to this episode of Critics on a Bus, the podcast where two best friends review the latest films and talk film theory. Hello and welcome to another episode of Critics on a Bus. How are you doing today, Cameron? I am doing impatient. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing wonderfully. Tell us about your impatience. Well, I, I'm impatient because we're expecting our first baby and today's his due date, the day we're recording this anyway. So <laughs> uh, this, this, this episode is to keep my mind off <laughs> the waiting. Yeah. <laughs> this episode could have a twist ending, a surprise <laughs> ending, <laughs> depending. Critics on the birth. Critics on the birth. Great Freudian slip there. <laughs> critics on the birth. <laughs> oh, we're off to a good start. We come to you, listeners, in a, in a turbulent time. We haven't posted in a while, but that's not why things are turbulent. Uh, it's COVID-19. Um, we're very, very saddened by the recent death of George Floyd. But also, we're not a political podcast. We're here to provide just joy and light to your lives uh, as and when you need it. And in that spirit, today we are going to discuss five different films from five different genres that that have a special place in our heart that we love. And we're going to be explaining that love uh, to you, the audience. What are the genres that we've picked? So the genres we're talking about today are musicals, science fiction, superhero films, uh, films based on true stories and medieval fantasy films. So we've gone for a nice broad range. However, there are lots of other genres. And if this episode uh, is liked, then we may continue this and uh, make a volume two entry with uh, with different genres. And uh, feel free to um, comment on what genres you'd like us to talk about next time. If you do. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. We would love to, uh, yeah, love to hear about that and then love to act upon it. There may be some controversy in this list. We haven't, again, like we normally do for these episodes, we haven't revealed (laughs) anything to each other um, leading up to this. And I know at least there's going to be one film that's going to be relatively inflammatory. And I I know that Cameron (laughs) probably has a hunch as to which one that is. But overall, this this is probably going to be quite quite pleasant i feel like we've been doing a lot of controversial stuff recently but 90 yeah. percent yeah. of this is going to be us just being like yeah fair play i love that too or, yeah. mm. so um okay shall i kick things off let's go i could have chosen a lot of different things in the category of musical there are lots of musicals that are close to my heart and there are lots of very well-known musicals that mean a lot to a lot of people I've chosen one that's slightly alternative, but relatively mainstream. And that is Oliver. I don't know if you've even ever seen that, but Oliver, uh, based on Charles Dickens' novel, Oliver yeah. Twist, it won or like all of the Oscars. I don't even know what year it came out, but it came out a long time ago. 1968. So it's a dated one, but it won six Oscars. And it gave us certain classic songs, for example, Food, Glorious Food. Many people are aware of that song. That's the opening song. And it just has a very, very special place in my heart. I I know the songs. I love the story. I find it so heartwarming. Poverty is something that struck me a lot as as a young child. But also this film, in a way, traumatized me, which is weird that it's on this list. So for those who don't know, uh, there's a character called Bill Sykes, and he's kind of the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And he uh, uses Oliver, because he's small, to break into houses so that he can steal stuff. 
Now, his wife, Nancy, is a lovely woman who's very sympathetic. But because at one point at the end that she's she's trying to save Oliver, Bill Sykes ends up beating her to death. Oh, dang. And this film is a you. I just want to remind everyone. <laughs> this is a universal. So you only see him. So you only see sort of like a hand behind like a staircase, like going into the air as he like smacks her with a stick. But like that properly kind of like got to me. That was an emotional moment in my uh, my childhood. But I I love it. And I realize I probably should have chosen something else because you probably have zero things to say about it. But you um, know, let me have a let me have a look because I think I probably have seen it. If I can find it on IMDb. <laughs> you must have heard the the song Food, Glorious Food. Yeah, like I've yeah. I've I've obviously seen it and like it's it's the famous like Please Sir film, isn't it? Yeah. Um, got all sorts of songs. Uh got Consider Yourself at Home. Yeah, I like thought, I I, yeah. I know the musical and it means mm-hmm. I've seen the film. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I recognise the I recognise Oliver. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've definitely seen the film before, but I mean, I forgot it existed. To be honest with you, like it did it not didn't connect with me. It's yeah, for me, it's a bit unremarkable in terms of my memory. But, but I've definitely, I've out... definitely seen it. Okay, and if anyone out there, if Oliver also has a very special place in your heart, then uh, please do let us know. There were like so many other things I could have said, like Mary Poppins would have made it. Sound of Music would have made it. La La Land would have made it. Like there are many other potential options, but I decided to go for kind of a film that I I, I love that people might not necessarily expect. Hopefully yours is less deflating than mine. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about yours. (laughs) So the musical I've gone for, um, I, I, by the way, I was for a long time going to go for La La Land and just kick off the controversy with our viewers because for some reason they all seem to hate La La Land. For, yeah, you know, I don't know what's whatever. Up with that. We need whatever. to devote a separate episode to La La Land and why yeah, it's amazing. You should yeah. educate the world. Yep. Um, <laughs> so an, an alternative to that, one of my other like favourites of musicals is the Moulin Rouge or Moulin Rouge. Uh-huh. Um, it is uh, the Baz Luhrmann film um, came out in 2001 um with nicole kidman and ewan mcgregor it won two oscars actually i did not know that but it won two oscars in the 2000s and that that film have you seen the Moulin rouge uh no no i haven't we're Um, starting off really strong here (laughs) (laughs) it's so it's about it's about um a poet from britain who goes to france and he he falls in love with a courtesan she she is is the lead in the Moulin Rouge, which is a swanky nightclub, basically. And her boss kind of uses her to sell her body to rich men for investment in the club. Um, and he falls in love with her and they have like a secret romance while she's um, dating the evil Duke. Yeah, the music is the music is just outstanding. Uh, you've got something like Come What May and Your Song is Love Songs. You've got the famous Roxanne, The Show Must Go On. Um, like they, like, they I knew take the music from it. Like, yeah, they they yeah. they take sometimes they they take like contemporary songs and like twist the words or make you know or or, or have different versions of them and fits the songs and and I remember watching this as a I watched it when I was is a twelve and I watched it as as a twelve year old and I did not like mm. it 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 just didn't resonate with me I was like this is just weird and then I can't remember the reason I watched it again and like a few years later and I was like this is amazing I think I distinctly <laughs> remember. I was alone in the house and I was eating chocolate cake and 
with specific circumstances. I've been, a lot, I've been alone for like a day or two. Oh, I can't I can't remember. But yeah, I was eating chocolate cake. And I put this movie on. I was like, okay, I'm going to give this another go because my parents say it's really good. And then, yeah, and it just it just made sense. And the whole, like, the whole, the way that it's scored and shot, it's a bit wacky in yeah. some in some aspects um, because it's about the bohemian lifestyle. You know, it's all about art, freedom and beauty and love and all that kind of, like, hippiness for lack yeah. of a better word you know and it's it's all about like living in the moment and and all that kind of great stuff and and this kind of a secret romance and then um you find out that this is spoiler alert by the way what's her name satine which is nicole kidman's char- character has tb and dies at the end of the film and yeah there's i mean it's it's all it's got everything it's got all the drama and the music and the romance all this stuff and it's just like it's just this crazy wild ride that's just so like bright and dark and colorful and inviting and just yeah and the music is memorable really memorable and so i just really love the moulin rouge as a as a musical i keep calling it the moulin rouge it's just moulin rouge <laughs> yes i really case, love uh, some listeners uh <laughs> pick up yes. on that yes so um I really love Moulin Rouge and I just think it's just such a crazy wild fun ride that I just I love it I love it I'll have to check it out sometime <laughs> uh, maybe we can uh, let each other know when you've rewatched Oliver and I've watched uh, Moulin Rouge yeah. and uh, can come Coming back yeah right we move to our next category which is science fiction and this is where the bomb drops this is where I finally get to defend <laughs> one of the greatest films of the 21st century and of all time. Literally, this film ah. would make would make top five for me, probably, of all time. Maybe. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I think it would. It would make top five of all time for me. And it's one that we've hinted at and it's one that we... Dis- it's, it's the primary point of disagreement. To be honest, I think that this was a seminal moment in our friendship when I mentioned that I loved this film and you mentioned that you hated it. Because <laughs> because it it opened up a chasm of disagreement that had never been there before. Yeah. And now we have disagreement on other such things, but I feel like this was the first time that... This is you the know, catalyst to our disagreement. Yeah, it, it was. And we agree on a, like, a lot of stuff have a lot of quite similar taste but there are those exceptions and this is probably the biggest exception and that is arrival arrival uh oh, get <laughs> out <kidding>. get <laughs> out <laughs> uh directed by denis villeneuve uh starring amy adams and jeremy renner and it's i it's, it defies description but i will attempt to put the ineffable uh, beauty and poignance and significance of and profundity of arrival into into a description. Amy Adams is a linguist. Alien spaceships come down on nine different locations on Earth, and she is tasked with attempting to communicate with the aliens. And throughout the course of the film, the way in which the aliens' language works begins to affect her and affect her life and affects the audience's way that we've seen her life patched together. And it all culminates in a a beautiful, significant, lovely realization uh, that has so many kind of deeper layers with regards to suffering, the human condition, but also the joy of life and the joy of bringing life into the world and bringing children into the world. I'm sure as a listener, listening to this, listening to me describe this, you're wondering, how could Cameron dislike such a beautiful film? The answer is easily. 
It is a boring, no, dull, like no. not not very engaging. And like the 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 more it gets on, the weirder it gets. And it's I can't. The story just isn't in captivating. It isn't engaging. The performance, I'm sorry, is not strong at all by Amy Adams. You She's a little just... bit like a wet blanket. In the that only film. time you can diss Amy Adams is when she's Lois Lane, and that's not even her fault. Okay, that's DC's fault. Any other time, she shines as an actress. And well, as Lois Banks, she is also disappointing, which is the character name of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, I was like Lois Lane. No, no. Lois <laughs> <Banks>. <laughs> um, no. It's so dark and drab, and I almost fell asleep in the cinema watching this film. I was so bored. Because they spent they spent basically spent ages trying to make aliens learn to speak English. Like, come on. Like, it's not all about you. It's somber. It's sex. Also, the plot the plot of what the aliens are there for is so dumb. It is so (laughs) dumb. What are you talking about? Yes it is. It is ridiculous. I I think that you are concluding that because you've clearly misunderstood the film. (laughs) I think that that's that's the only conclusion I can come to here. Oh, the film, it just resonates. It's this 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 beautiful idea of of so so spoiler alert for those who haven't seen it. Essentially, the aliens have this kind of circular language, which which is because they experience time in a different way, and subsequently they are as a gift giving humans this circular language which then affects human sense of time uh, and affects Amy Adams sense of time in particular because she's the first human to properly learn a language and they're kind of putting that down as a plant because then uh, this is going to help humans to develop in such a way that eventually in the future they are then going to be able to save the the aliens but for Amy Adams what that means is is that you at the beginning of the film you see her with a child who has passed away and it's clearly taken a toll on her. And you think that that's happened and that's what's affected her life. But actually it turns out that's in the future and she's going to have that child with Jeremy Renner. But the thing is, is that she knows that that child is going to die because of her kind of new kind of circular, circular experience of time. And subsequently she kind of has to, she takes that decision knowing how difficult it will be, but does it anyway out of love. And I feel like that's such a beautiful metaphor for for life for birth and you'd think that would resonate with someone who's about to have a child but apparently <laughs> it's hard to too- die no <laughs> no no okay no uh, you see you, you missed the point that's <laughs> look and now look i for those who don't know i study philosophy i think that time travel is just an inconsistent concept and maybe i have to be a physicist to fully understand that i'm not a physicist but i'm pretty backed up by most physicists this idea that that time travel often as it's presented in movies just just doesn't work it's just logically inconsistent and that is this film's major flaw but i didn't care about that when i watched it because it's so much more it's about so much more than that it's i, I don't understand how you don't like this film we need to rewatch it we I need to rewatch it i don't it. know if i want to put myself through that again though do you know what we'll 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 kind of get you all hyped up on like iron brew and <laughs> uh you know we'll sit down remove distractions and we'll just to be honest though given that you're going to have a child soon and if this is the type of thing that puts you to sleep then i've got no chance have i <laughs> it's just it's just i just i just don't i just don't see the appeal of it like there's just something so let downy about the film <laughs> <laughs> we're known for our technical uh, films 
<laughs> I'm a real professional. I am. Yeah. I've uh, quite a deal of a film. No, uh, it, it's too it's too too quiet. Well, I guess you're just symptomatic of kind of modern, you know, fast paced, uh, right? Yeah. Uh, a high anxiety lifestyle, and and you can't stop and smell through. No, <laughs> that's what I would say if I was being a pretentious uh, critic, but. We'll put that aside. Well, there you have it, folks. We'll probably do a, a proper debate on Arrival maybe sometime in the future if there's any demand for it when we can go into even more specifics. But for now, we should probably move on to Cameron's sci-fi <laughs> film and put that behind us. My my science fiction film is not going to split anyone's opinion. I've actually been debating about which one to do, and I keep going back to this one, so I'm going to go with it anyway, and that's Inception. I mean, uh... yeah. <laughs> I, I, I could have gone and I, I tried to think of anything else. I didn't want to go Star Wars because I, that's cliche for me. So I wanted to go a bit different. So I'm going to say I want to go for Christopher Nolan, which is still kind of cliche for me. I mean, Inception, I mean, what 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 isn't there to love about this movie? It's a story masterclass. In, in, it, it just has everything you need. It has great acting, incredible set pieces. Even the CGI is mind bending is what they always described it as when it came out in 2010. It came out. 2010 um it's 10 years old this year which is crazy i it won four oscars man oh my i'm just an all oscar winners um it won four oscars um and crazily enough christopher nolan didn't win a best director for this it's it has one of the, it has one of the most talked about endings of like any film whether or not he's out of the dream or not um you know it's about basically dream sharing technology and like it's a it's a heist film inside three dreams i mean it is the epitome of imagination and the storytelling is just another class of its own and the whole thing is i remember before i got married uh actually hadn't seen inception i was like you have to see inception we've got to see this right now and so we were on the we were on the way to northern ireland um, on the coach from, from like Dublin to, to Northern Ireland and we were watching I was on, going to that wedding too <laughs> yeah we were watching it on the iPad and uh we thought we had enough time but the bus was quicker than we thought and so like I think in the third layer of the dream mm-hmm. the it stopped the bus stopped and we had to get off and and uh Ash was like no it's so good <laughs> and so like there was a couple of hours between the wedding and the reception and so we had to we went back to someone's house and we just like literally like charged the ipad and then like sat behind this like sofa and just watched the rest of it because she had to see it and that's a film like it's not it wasn't really like in her like repertoire of of genres at the time but it was so uncaptivating that even people who don't care about science fiction and action are captivated by it because it's just so good and the story is so rich and detailed and the performances from DiCaprio from Joseph and Lennon and all that kind of Tom Hardy and everything was just so layered and you just had to find out and you just didn't know and the whole thing builds and it's just I mean this was like um one of the love letters of Nolan you know he does he did like Batman Begins and The Dark Knight to afford to do Inception mm-hmm. you know and he did he did the other films to afford to do Dunkirk and like he does these other films he's like oh yeah I'll, I'll do this I'll do a superhero movie so that I can pay off my actual film I want to do and he does like the best superhero movie and then does like the best science fiction movie and he's just like knocking him out and it's just yeah he's an incredible individual I mean yeah it's like yeah, it was it was kind of almost, well as I understand it, it was a gift from Warner Brothers because he made over the Dark Knight made over a billion and uh, they were like okay fine do it you know you can do a passion project and then Inception made over a billion so like and four like, Oscars and they're like yeah maybe you are pretty good <laughs> yeah no 
I mean, I, first of all, I just like to say I agree with everything that you've just said. Inception is incredible, whichever way you look at it. Um, it has everything, like you say, good act, like inc- incredible acting and incredible story. It takes this idea of dreams and uses it phenomenally. There's action to it. There's this story of Cobb and, and his uh, his wife, Mull, and, and the idea of, of dreams and, and having to having to let go of the past just done perfectly. The score Hans Zimmer particularly the main piece time the music like the song time is just incredible and it's so my story with Inception I got it as a Christmas present Christmas of 2010 and (laughs) normally uh, Christmas time is family time uh, but for some reason there was a bit of an opening and so (laughs) after Christmas dinner oh I think it was before before Christmas dinner I popped it in the in my laptop and I sat and I watched it in my room on Christmas day and bear in mind it's well over two hours and it blew me away I went downstairs I had roast dinner I went back upstairs and I watched it again (laughs) 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 I watched it twice on Christmas day (laughs) just because I was just so blown away with it and I've seen it multiple times since and um, I'm just convinced that it's 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 really something special. So very good choice. Not not rocking the boat there at all, that one. That no, was, uh... certainly not. Right. Shall we come to a superhero movie? Mm-hmm. Again, uh, so we're actually sticking with Christopher Nolan. Uh, and I hope we haven't gone for the same one on this one. But no. classic answer, both just superhero movies, Christopher Nolan movies, everything is uh, movies of all time. For a lot of people is The Dark Knight. Uh, my choice is Back- Batman Begins, actually. Okay. Um, not gonna uh, lie, I thought you were gonna go for Logan here. Oh, I do love Logan, uh, and I didn't actually consider it. Um, okay. Maybe I should have gone for Logan. Uh, no, I, I, <laughs> I, I love Logan. I, I, it is, it is incredible. Um, I love Batman Begins though, and again, Batman Begins has a special place in my heart. I watched it so much growing up. I can, I can, I could quote to you right now extensive pieces of the script. Like I just. I know that film inside and out and backwards. I feel like I could I could write an exam about that film. Like I just and again, it's one of these masterclasses. Batman Begins is so well pieced together. The way that the flashbacks are used, but the way that then when the uh, fight on the ice between Ra's al Ghul and, and Batman is happening that's when then time kind of catches up and then from then there aren't any more flashbacks and it goes into uh, just the present and he returns to Gotham and and, and all, all of what that's kind of symbolic for and the way they do the flashbacks as well, the, the fact that they come from Liam Neeson asking him questions mm-hmm. like, you know, what are you afraid of? And then it flashes back to him being picked up from his dad from the Batcave or, you know, revenge, like, why is that not an option for you? And then it flashes back to then uh, Falcone killing Chill or at least one of Falcone's people. Like, it's just, it's perfect. It's so well pieced together. And not only that, but as a young person, it introduced me to to films of that nature, films that were profound and about uh, personal development and overcoming the odds and 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 deep kind of uh, loss and all these types of things and I just I love it. There you go. There's my spiel on on Batman Begins. <laughs> I mean I that's a that's a good choice. A lot too. The, yeah, I mean like, do you know? I think I think I wasn't even 
old enough to see Batman Begins in the cinema. It came I, out in 2005. I was 11. Yeah, and it's a 12. So. Yeah. Like, I didn't see Batman Begins in the Dark Knight in the cinema until Dark Knight Rises. So I saw, I saw them in DVD. The same for me with Batman Begins. I saw yeah, them. I saw them in DVD. And um, yeah, it's just the the that whole trilogy is itself is one of the greatest trilogies ever created. And um, Batman Begins, is, it's it's where it begins. It tells it tells the origin story, but not in like a, oh my gosh, another Batman story. It, you know, mm-hmm. they don't overdo it like Superman, um, Spider-Man, sorry, or Superman even. Yeah, and like just the, the layers of, you know, the way that Scarecrow is portrayed, I think is really good. And it's a real like the the groundedness of the film really kind of hits home and like really makes it feel visceral and real and and yeah the whole journey is is just really powerful and something to behold i really like it so let's move to your superhero movie what have you chosen as the superhero movie that you love so i tried not to do the dark knight um because i feel i thought like i i felt like it's quite obvious i said i went for one of my other favorites one of my top three superhero movies and that is x-men first class this is without a doubt the greatest X movie ever made. Above Logan, does Logan count? I don't think Logan counts. It's okay, a fair enough. Random yeah. side project with X Men in the title. This is the the greatest X Men movie ever made, and it's the random prequel spin-off thing that they did with Matthew Vaughn, uh, James McAvoy, Michael Fassbender, Jennifer Lawrence, Kevin Bacon, and this film. I remember. I remember distinctly walking out um, the cinema in Birmingham, what was the AMC, which is now Odeon, literally just wanting to go back and watch it again. It was so good. I was just like, mm. that is one of the greatest things I've watched. Um, it's based around the 1960s Miss Cuban Missile Crisis and the formation of the X-Men at the very beginning of their time with Xavier and Magneto meeting each other and being friends and building Cerebro and recruiting other mutants and all that kind of stuff. And you know, dealing much more with the the horrors of how Magneto was treated in the Nazi camps, especially when they discovered his mutant powers and his torture and all that kind of stuff by other by Kevin Bacon, who plays the villain and almost like the like, almost like one of the the first mutants, almost you could say, because he's got this kind of crazy regenerative power. Mm-hmm. And the one of the things that blew me away the most was the music. The score to this film was incredible. Produced by Henry Jackman. Uh, he also apparently did uh, Extraction. Oh, interesting. And um, has done the Jumanji movies. Uh, he did Civil War. Oh. You know, so he he's a very good um, composer. And like, what really drew me was Fassbender's performance of Magneto. I I love how powerful they make him seem mm. how, how dangerous and there's there's a great there's a there's an amazing scene where like sebastian shaw the the villain is the one who designs the helmet that blocks xavier's power the one that magneto wears as his costume and he's controlling he's basically instigating a nuclear war between russia and america to basically try and then use a device very similar to what Magneto's original plan was in the first X-Men to basically accelerate the mutation process in the rest of humanity that survive and with him as a leader. And there's a, there's a great scene where Magneto is in like the submarine and he finds Sebastian Shaw. Sebastian Shaw was the one who in the Nazi war camps tortured him, killed his mother to try and like unleash his powers again and again, try and learn more about him. And there's a scene where 
they're able to take the helmet off Sebastian and, and Xavier uses his incredible strength to freeze Sebastian in time. And Magneto gets the coin and he like mirrors what Sebastian did to him. So I'm going to count to three and I'm going to move the coin. And Xavier has to stand and like he's linked to Sebastian and, and he's like, Eric, don't do this, don't do this. And there's a great scene where you see the coin move and it like starts slicing through the head of the villain and it cuts to he's stood still and then it cuts to like almost the same shot tracking the 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 coin going through almost like he's going through Xavier and he's screaming so he's feeling the pain of Sebastian dying and the music and the the commenting scene what happens when like how Xavier becomes wheelchair bound um and just just the whole story and power and the the musical Frankenstein's monster is oh it's sublime it is sublime it's i listen to it when i run and it like helps me run faster the music is so just like invigorating i don't really remember the music i'm just oh. I, I need to go back and listen to it because clearly it's uh yeah there's, there's something about it and like the, just that the whole film especially when it builds up to the to the missile crisis and mm. you know the mutants are like fighting on like, the, the ships and the submarines and magneto's like controlling all the missiles in the air and they've got to try and stop him and just his incredible power and the relationship the build the building up relationship and the breaking down of the relationship between xavier and magneto is just is so captivating and so good and it's such a shame that they ruined it with days of future past which i think is an abysmal version of of x-men and apocalypse is just even worse than that they messed it up because i think x-men first class was a great it is one of the greatest superhero films i've seen in my lifetime and i think it's massively underrated by the way i don't think people give it the credit it's due because the the more that film goes on just the 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 better it gets and that music is just incredible i guess i need to rewatch it now or something uh, i i i watched it when it was in the cinema and i really enjoyed it i i didn't really notice the music and i personally when i first watched it i actually quite enjoyed days of future past until i properly was unplugged from the matrix and realized that the literally the entire point of that film was to allow for a different timeline like like it was just like let's yeah. twiddle with the time so that now we can do things like apocalypse and then apocalypse and I, is awful like <laughs> i don't and like people love days of future yeah. past like it's got like an 8.0 on imdb like it's in crazy but i think i don't know why right so the film the films it, we go. the films fell flat <laughs> the, the original x-men trilogy Okay, which as a kid I loved. As a kid I loved. I okay. did too. Um, but they fell flat critically and publicly. The more it went on, and a lot of it is blamed on Brian Singer, uh, in in his official uh, Fall from Grace, everything that's happened recently, and like. But they still, even though after like the films got worse and worse, and and him almost like show running the the trilogy just did not work at all because they went against that. Matthew Vaughan comes in, makes this unbelievably good you know he 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 and the, and the writers make this unbelievably good film and then the, what do they do they give the, the sequel to brian singer again like he already <laughs> ruined x-men why give it back to him you know yeah. he he's he already did nothing about it so like stop giving it to him you you cause the downfall of x-men yourself not that film and so and and they never he never returned and i think it's a real shame because it's it's outstanding rant over well that was uh <laughs> Ended on a tragic note. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's because I love the film and I'm ashamed didn't go anywhere. Yeah, no, it is sad. It is sad. But you pointed the fingers to the right, you know, to the right places. And uh, instead, we just got to enjoy what we did get. Enjoy what was good while it lasted. 
Okay, so the next category that we come to is true story, something mm-hmm. based in in real life. And for me, that that uh, goes to the two popes. There are so m- yeah, there are so many films because normally when we think true story, we think kind of like Spotlight or Dark Waters or um, Official Secrets. Which, to be honest, if I wasn't trying to be a bit alternative, Official Secrets might have made it as as top here. But uh, the two popes. You know when you're just in the mood for something and it just clicks? Like, mm. the film was on my radar. I was looking forward to watching it. I love Anthony Hopkins. I think that Catholicism is pretty fascinating. And I love Rome. Um, I love the Vatican and St. Peter's Basilica and church. And I I just love that whole space. And I study philosophy, so I'm interested. And it was, it was quite a philosophical slash theological film. And it was just the one night i think it was a friday night i'd done all my work sat down had probably some nice snacks around me and i was just like i want to watch two old men discuss theology for two hours and and i did and i just came out of it and i was like i, I love my life and i love this film like it was just it was so good it was so full of character and just the performances were incredible. And it delved into questions of, of what direction religious organizations should go. All of that in this beautiful setting of the Vatican. And I just, it was just delicious. It was just absolutely delightful. So, and it's all based on true. Obviously, they took liberty because these conversations, you know, happen behind closed doors. But the events surrounding them and the succession from Pope Benedict the Sixteenth and to Pope Francis, like, is all true. And their characters are were well known. Benedict is as more conservative, and well, Ratzinger, sorry if you want his real name, um, is uh, Pope Francis, uh, much more kind of progressive, liberal, and and the church was going through a turbulent time at that time. And and I don't know, I just love it. So there you go. I mean, I've I have watched the film. Um, it was it was an interesting character study between these two men, especially around I guess you could say one of the the more controversial centers of of Catholicism. It's around the resignation of the Pope, isn't it? Which is not really something that's done. So it was interesting seeing almost the man he was choosing or trying to choose to replace him and the the humility um, of his replacement um, and, and the way. It, so it was a very interesting character study. But I mean, it, it was a strong performance for me. But it, it's not a film I would revisit. But it, it was it was a good, quite light film, and it, I like that it focused and it gave both actors um, time to shine. You know, it didn't get distracted by anything else. It, it really focused on them, allowing them to build a relationship and uh, a rapport with each other, and really kind of delve into that aspect of them and enjoying even you know a lighter side i think they like you know watching football or having pizza mm. and things like that and really humanizing the the myth the mythology behind those two people and their relationship so i think that was really interesting and i like seeing great figures normalized because they are people are normal despite how great you are there's always aspects of you that are really normal and that really something about that really speaks to me and i really like that so yeah it was a good film i really didn't i did enjoy it where did you land on True Story? I'm I'm gonna go with the film that really ignited my passion in True Story, and that is the cliche Spotlight. Classic. Because I know I said I was trying to be a bit more alternative in this, but like I wasn't necessarily hugely into real stories before Spotlight because mm. I was a nerd. I still am a nerd. Um, <laughs> Head in the clouds. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, but this film was just. The way it was done was incredible. 
the 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 performance it's got it's got a, a vast cast you know it's mark ruffalo man keaton rachel mcadams uh levi john slattery stanley tucci there's just something about the, the way that the story unfolds and and i think knowing that this is real and this happened and these people put this dedication and time into and and sometimes it could, you know in other stories put themselves in danger to shed light on this important information and i was shocked i mean you know the sad part is, is in true stories you normally find horrible things have happened and they're uncovering the horrors of the world and it is disgraceful and the the scandal and the cover-up is a horrible chapter in in history um and one you know which we're i think we're always fighting but um just the feel of the film and you leave the film gobsmacked you know you leave the film in utter awe of what you've witnessed and they always give you like a little update you know like they did dark waters of what happened and what is still happening sometimes in some of these stories and you're just shocked and awe of like man i can't believe this happened and it also shows you how sometimes ignorant i am because a lot of these stories i had no idea yeah you know that's what's truly scary about such stories isn't it is that yeah they've often slipped by yeah like I obviously knew of the child molestation scandal in the Catholic mm-hmm. Church. You know, that was a huge story. But you don't realise how big and how deep and how horrific it can be. You know, or Dark Waters and the, and the and Teflon and how dangerous it is. Or Official Secrets and, you know, what she actually uncovered and mm-hmm. prevented. And, like, how... I mean, I was a child, you know, during these stories. Mm-hmm. So why would I be interested in news like that? But it's just like, I can't believe, you know, if you wrote this, if you wrote this in like a story, they're like, that's, that's far fetched. That's ridiculous. But for that to be real is, is just, it's just mind boggling. And this really inspired me to seek out those films, like the post, the founder, there's so many films, black mass that show these unbelievable stories that I'm glad they're highlighted in film. And they, these films are done so well. They're very calm. They're very dark. They're very um, character driven, very um, script driven, and it works really well. And um, yeah, Spotlight is a is a definitely story that I think everyone should watch. I'm trying to convince Sashing to watch it. Oh man, yeah. yeah, she hasn't seen it. No, not yet. That's truly sad. That is. Uh, it won Best Picture as well. Uh, it did. Thrown it, in there as well. Yeah, that's another another Oscar winner for me. It two won two Oscars, so. Not as uh, alternative choice. as I thought. <laughs> Great choice. So that's four out of five categories. Yes. So the last category we have is medieval fantasy. Mm. Um, now I'm sure everyone, everyone, uh, everyone already can probably guess what we might choose. So Paul, what is your choice for medieval fantasy? I've steered clear of Lord of the Rings. So uh, yes, I mean it's it's no fun when you know. There's one film that just kind of dominates the category more than any other film in that category. Like, I just, we all know Lord of the Rings is is the best. So, in the spirit of being a bit more alternative, I'm, I'm curious whether this film has, like, whether you have, you grew up with this like I did. But I've chosen Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Okay, that's not the film I thought. Ah, okay. Okay, okay, okay. okay, okay. okay. Different then. Yeah, so Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, starring Alan Rickman and Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner's mullet in that film is similar to how my hair's doing now during lockdown, actually, <laughs> uh, unfortunately. <laughs> so that's a bit sad. But no, yeah, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, 
uh, everyone knows the character of Robin Hood, uh, steals from the uh, rich and gives to the poor. What I loved about this film, I loved bows and arrows when I was younger. Ironically, that was actually sparked by Legolas, but we're not giving Lord of the Rings all the credit here. Um, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but I love I love bows and arrows, and I, I, I and I loved forests, and I loved that kind of medieval feel to things. And there's this glorious scene in Robin Hood, Prince and Thieves, the Prince of Thieves, where he's teaching the 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 forest people and his merry men and so forth uh how to use a bow and arrow how to fight because they're going to go and storm uh the sheriff's kind of uh, town and it's like this beautiful montage where they're all like making the bows and arrows and then firing the bows and arrows and it just i, I loved it when i was like i'd rewatch that scene all the time mm. uh the other scene that i loved from it was when little john and his son bear with me were being hung however uh, they don't end up being hung because Robin Hood shoots arrows and it takes, I think, three arrows. But he's shooting them at the rope that is choking them. And it's, it's I think it's just Little John's son, actually. But yeah. And eventually he manages to cut the string using a bow and arrow. And that's when he like swings in and then fights everyone. Very medieval, a bit fantastical. It's a kind of one of those apocryphal stories in history. But um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I know my mum's watched that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Cosner is kind of like a mum's person, isn't he? Just yeah, kind of I'm like... not even sure if I've even seen the whole thing, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm worried. I don't want to rewatch it because I definitely think it could be a case of I loved it when I when I was younger, but maybe yeah. I love it now. So I'm just going to keep it in happy memory. But <laughs> maybe so. the nostalgia will get you one day. Maybe. Maybe. So what did you go for? So I originally was going to go for a Lord of the Rings because like there's right. nothing competes with it. But the conversation with you was like actually, and you reignited my memory of of another film I loved as a child. Ashton asked me to get rid of the DVD of this earlier this last week. I was like, no, <laughs> it's a classic. I'm not getting rid of it. So I just remembered that. Um, I'm not even sure if you've seen it. I don't even. We've never talked about this film before. But this is the 1996 classic Dragonheart. Yes. Yes, so this is what I yeah, thought you were going to say. Oh, um, no, no, no. I, I, I have seen it. I didn't really like watch it a ton. I think I watched it over like a Cousins or something like that. But I, I have seen it. So this is about, this is based, um, well, not based on anything. <laughs> um, this is this has Dennis Quaid in it. Um, yes. It has Sean Connery. Eric Trapp. Uh, yeah. Diane Meyer. Pete Postlewaite. David Thewlis, David Thewlis, yeah. Jason um, Isaacs as yeah, well, uh, Lucius yeah. Malfoy. Um, nom- nominated for an Oscar even. Um, oh, I didn't know that. And so this is like the last dragon in the world is is still going around, and basically an evil king is given. He's killed in like a in a war or a fight, or he's not killed. He's like mortally wounded, and so he's given like part partial mortality from the dragon. Um, and he come he becomes super evil and corrupt. And so dragons are then killed and all that kind of stuff. And um, Dennis Quaid plays the last dragon slayer and he's trying to kill Draco, the dragon. And they form an unlikely alliance and they, they go to war against the evil king and all this kind of stuff. And it's like the dragon's really sassy and Bowen's like, <laughs> there's one point he tries to eat the dragon slayer and he like sticks his sword in his mouth. And he literally spent like five minutes like, have a conversation in the dragon's mouth with the dragon and the dragon's like do you mind i've got something stuck in my teeth back there can you pull it out and it's like some like dude's arm yeah. <laughs> i can skeleton he's like oh that's been bugging me for weeks thanks <laughs> it's and like it's i mean it's it's probably not a great film but i watched it quite a lot as a kid and it is a medieval fantasy film and 
there's something quite nostalgic about it. That's a real throwback I completely forgot about until we like the minute we started this podcast. So Dragonheart is my medieval fantasy um, hidden gem almost. Well, there you have it, folks. Five films from five different genres that we love. Maybe this has sparked some nostalgia for you. Maybe it might even encourage you to revisit some of these films. Maybe it has caused you to, uh, I suppose, feel a deep and very uh, difficult hatred for Cameron because he doesn't like uh, Arrival. Who knows what it's done for you? But hopefully it has been enjoyable nonetheless. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> okay. The end. <laughs> we we need to debate that one even more properly oh, because I just still don't get that you don't like don't it. Get anyway. why you like it so much. So we're all good there, aren't we? Anyway. Yes. Thanks for listening. <laughs> uh, yes. Take care of yourselves, and uh, we will see you in the next one. Bye. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.